What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Leverage Talk right here with your host, Dr. Brian, Dr. B. Hopefully you're doing absolutely wonderful wherever you are in the world. Hopefully this episode meets you right where you are. I'd always love to shout out our new listeners uh, that are here present with us, Whether you, whatever platform you came from, whether you found us uh, just randomly or someone recommended it to you, we want to welcome you into the fold, into the family. So we appreciate you being here. Hopefully this particular episode brings you value, but make sure you take check out our previous hundreds of episodes before with powerful guests and thought leaders that share their area of expertise as well. Uh, today, I, I cannot forget that uh, there are some uh, some returning listeners, some supporters that have been with us from the very beginning and uh, some silent, silent supporters uh, on this particular platform because I'm getting your messages, I'm getting your emails about, hey, Brian, I listened to the episode today. Keep putting them out, keep pushing them out. Um, it, it really gets me through my day. It really helps me to kind of be reinvigorated with what's possible in this world. So we see you, we, we hear you, we're listening. So that means the world to me that uh, this particular platform uh, still serves people every single day, every week, every month, every quarter, every year. Uh, we've been on this journey for about four years now, and it's crazy to see uh, how many uh, episodes we've had and ultimately how we've evolved. Uh, as you know, you may see some different uh, podcast art in the previous episodes, and we've evolved from our Evolve You uh, podcast platform to now Leverage Talk, and it's all encompassing about life, business, and finance, uh, ultimately relationships, and just how you're becoming a powerful thought leader in your own right, all right? So let's get going today in today's episode. You already see the title, and many of you are familiar with this particular business model or what I've been up to lately. And some are like, Brian, I've been waiting to hear this thing because I don't tap in too often to what you're doing. I'm not in the mentorship. I'm not in your programs, but I kind of see and I don't want to ask any questions. So I'm glad you're putting out this episode. We want to talk about today how I was able to acquire about five to six, six vehicles um, in a course of really less than three to four months, about four months, uh, roughly about a car a month uh, in 2021. Uh, we've been in the Turo game uh, for about a year now at the time of this recording. And for those who are like, can you simplify this? Uh, what is Turo? Turo is like the Airbnb for cars. You're able to put your vehicle um, it's not just any car, but any type of vehicle, transportation device. Uh, sometimes you have those uh, the slingshots on there, other types of uh, motorcycles and things like that that you can rent out. And you're able to uh, essentially rent them out to other people, right? And make passive income, start a business. Maybe it's just paying off your car note, whatever that is, right? So that is what Turo is. And the reason why I... I wanted to talk about this is because anytime there's something new that I've discovered, I typically try to start a business from the sense of, you know, me wanting to not only enjoy what it is, but ultimately use it as a case study to hopefully inspire other people if it's something that they may want to do. And you have the right and the choice to decide if it's right for you. I love vehicles. I like cars. I had the uh, 100 plus Hot Wheels set to me and my brother. Uh, my dad uh, as well loves cars. He had a old Nissan Z, which was his fun car. He had a couple of Lexus and, and some other vehicles. And I just remember, you know, my dad telling me about him, you know, building model cars and when he was growing up and we used to do that as well. And 
not, not got too deep into the mechanics of all the cars and things like that, but just admired the architecture, admired vehicles um, and their beauty. And some might see it as just a transportation device, but um, now you're able to use this transportation device as a, um, a earned income asset. It is an asset that earns you income. So that is a completely different way of thinking that most people are familiar with because we are used to vehicles being a liability, right? That you need to transport yourself. And if you lived in other parts of the country, you may not even have a vehicle. So let's let's get down to it. I want to give a, a quick synopsis of how this is possible. And there's always show notes down below if you're curious um, to learn more about how I'm able to teach this. Um, it's the ups, the downs. Is it right for you? Is it not right for you? So Turo started off um, as a rental car platform, and it is not the only thing out there on the market. It is just called everyone wants to do Turo, but really it's, it's a rental car agency or renting cars. There's other platforms called Avail and Hire Car, and there are various others on the market, but Turo is kind of the household name, just kind of like Ubering around, right? There is Lyft as well. So Turo is just the platform, but this is renting out your vehicles. So the first thing that you have to do when I'm teaching this is you have to decide, um, do you want to make this a business? Do you potentially want to make it a business? Or is it just for a little extra side income? Or number four, is it to maybe pay down your car note or to not have a car note at all? And these are all different four strategies that I was deciding when I decided to start this. And the reason why that's important is because that can help in your strategy of what type of vehicle you're going to acquire, um, how your strategy is going to be in your pricing model, um, what type of vehicles in your market are going to perform well, is this going to be successful, is it going to be worth your time? All these factors come into play when you're deciding, do I move forward with this? Um, because ultimately you want to have a return on investment, not only of just money, but also your time. Right. So I'm locally in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I am centrally located in the heart of Dallas, Texas. So that was thing number one. Uh, my location was a highly traveled location for business travelers. And some people just come in for concerts and uh, sporting events and, um, you know, just coming in to visit friends and family. It I wouldn't say it's a destination where people are traveling for, quote unquote, vacation. Some people might. Right. But it is not like an Orlando or maybe a Miami or going to New York. So I had to understand that particular market that helped me uh, see what type of vehicles I might want. Now, that's not always true. There are various different types of vehicles. We have exotics here. We have um, ultimate luxury vehicles. We have economy vehicles and there's kind of this mid tier luxury. So. That's the first step. You decide what is your goal? What is your intention for doing this? And it can change over time. The second questions I began asking myself was, okay, how am I going to acquire the vehicles? That is the biggest question is, do you use your own? Do you acquire new ones? Do you open up a business and put in the business name? And the first thing I tell people is, do you have a second vehicle? And if you're in a dual income household or you have two vehicles, my next question is, well, do you need two vehicles? Because a lot of times when before you jump all in, I'm all for jumping 
all in, but if you can test the business model and see if it's worth your time without having to put any extra dollars in it, then I've done that for some of our mentorship clients and some of my one-on-one clients. And there have been a couple of success stories where there was an extra vehicle in the driveway. Um, people were working from home more, and that person was able to not only pay down the car note, but make roughly an extra uh, 500 to 1,000 bucks a month profit because the vehicle was paid off, right? So you're talking about an extra 500 to $1,000 that either can pay off the other car's car note, or you can just pocket that cash because you're not driving as much, right? So that is the first thing is um, understanding what's available to you. So do you have a paid off vehicle? Um, do you have a vehicle at your disposal? Do you have a dual income household and extra vehicles on, on hand? When you're moving into your next questions, I'm always, this is very important because the most common question that I get is, I don't know if I could do this because I just don't understand. I don't want other people in my car and all that. So <laughs> when it comes to business, my, my biggest transformation is understanding that there is a high level of emotional intelligence and there's a high level of self-awareness to understand that you have to separate emotion from the goal or the intention. If your goal or in is intention is to make extra income, but you're still emotionally attached to this piece of metal, which I completely understand, right? That was my reservation as well. Well, what if this happens? Well, what if that happens? What if this happens? First of all, it's replaceable. Second of all, there's insurance. Third of all, if you put everything in place, you can be covered fully, right? So these uh, subjections um, or objections, I should say, can be, you know, there's a solution for these objections. So when you're moving into this particular business model, you have to decide, can I remove my emotions from this particular model? If you can't, then we have some work to do because you're, you want more money, but you're not willing to sacrifice anything or there's solutions, but you're still not trusting the process and those solutions are working for you, right? So what other common questions do I receive when people ask me about rental cars or Turo or hire a car or any of these platforms? The other big question that I get is, okay, moving forward, I've decided that I want to do this, um, but I don't have any cars. Do I go purchase a car in my business name? Do I purchase it in my personal name? And this is when the financial piece comes in because purchasing the vehicle or acquiring the vehicle is a very important process because there has to be market research just like any other business model. So the first thing I did is I went in, I acted as if I were renting a car myself. So I did, I rented a uh, 2018 Mercedes-Benz C300 in Atlanta, Georgia. And I worked through the process and I looked and I was like, man, okay, this seems really cool from a consumer standpoint. Let me look at my own market. So if you didn't know, there's a rental calculator or a calculator, as Turo calls it. And the calculator gives you an estimate of how much your vehicle could rent out for. So you can type that in um, in Google and say calculator Turo and you can type in your vehicles. Now, this gets a lot of people in trouble because this is a model where you decide the price. So what happens is a lot of new hosts or a lot of new people that are starting this is they go off of what Turo says or the platform says, and they don't really do their own due diligence because you can charge whatever you want to charge, right? 
you just have to be okay in knowing your market and knowing the demand. And if there's no rental cars from the rental car agencies, people are going to be flooding to this platform and they're going to need a vehicle regardless. So you're still able to beat the market at the rental car agency and potentially get them into a car that they actually want to drive. I don't know about you, but I've rented some cars at some rental car agencies and it said luxury. And I'm like, this is not luxury. All right. So I don't know about you, but the beauty is that you can pick your own vehicles. All right. So I did market research. I went on Calculator on Turo. I looked at my market and I decided on a tier that I wanted to reside in. All right. So you can reside. I call it my four tiers and some other hosts might have different tiers. The first tier is economy. Second tier is mid-tier luxury. And then you have luxury and then you have essentially exotics, right? So economy vehicles, what type of people would be renting economy vehicles, right? You answer that question for yourself. Um, there's no judgment around here, but economy vehicles, the Hondas, the, the, um, the Toyota, the uh, Nissans, you know, get the picture, right? So that would fall into the category of economy. Economy vehicles typically rent out from, depending on the year model, $30 to maybe max 60, right? You may be able to push 70 depending on your market. Then you go into mid-tier luxury, right? These are the cars like the lower-tiered Mercedes, the lower-tiered BMWs, the lower-tiered Audis, like the A3 Audi, the A4 Audi, the 3 Series BMW, the C300, the A Series class of Mercedes. You get the picture, right? So these are mid-tier luxury vehicles, and they would rent out for roughly about 70 bucks, um, upwards to um, maybe 110, 120. Okay. Now this is all different in different markets. All right. Then you have luxury vehicles. These are your higher end of the brands that I just described. So like I have a luxury vehicle, which is an Audi Q8, right? These are vehicles that could be upwards into um, the 50 to $60,000 range vehicle or, or up, right? So you would have to charge more uh, for that particular vehicle to make it worth your while and people would consider it um, a true luxury vehicle, right? And then you have your exotics, which would be the $100,000 vehicle and above. These would be uh, maybe the Porsche 911s, um, the uh, BMW i8s. You would go all the way up into potentially the exotics on the higher end exotics, such as the Lamborghinis, uh, the Rolls Royces, things like that, right? So I picked the mod where I wanted to reside. So I wanted to have a clientele that were business professionals. I wanted to have clientele that were families, maybe um, higher end professionals that would be coming into town that would respect this type of vehicle and are used to maybe driving this type of vehicle and be willing to pay that type of price because they want to drive that type of car. They're not looking for the cheapest thing on the platform. They want to truly drive that vehicle, right? So I picked mid-tier luxury and luxury. So my vehicles, the first one I started off with was a Mercedes C300. Then I went to a BMW X4, which was a, a, a sand, uh, not a sedan, a SUV. Um, and then I went into a uh, Audi TT, which is a two-door kind of sports car. And then I went into an Audi Q8, which is the big luxury uh, SUV. Right. So you see the different types of cars. I have a variety of vehicles that was able to service a different type of person. I want to do this strategically because I wanted to also test the market and have a variety of different vehicles to be able to test. Right. So I have one type of car and they're all in um, a, a specific color palette as well. 
So whites, grays, blacks, charcoals, things like that, right? So that being said, I started off with four vehicles and I acquired each vehicle uh, a month apart. So I started in September, acquired a vehicle, October, acquired a vehicle, November, acquired a vehicle, December, acquired a vehicle in 2021. And what I would say is that there are seasons of these cars. And each one of these cars have performed in a really good way. And some have been lackluster, right? But the beautiful thing that I've noticed as we wrap this episode up, because maybe you all, if you uh, maybe screenshot this, tag me, um, I, I will do a part two, all right? So I would love for you to leave a review um, on this podcast and also uh, let me know if you would like a part two because we can get into the depths of this, but this is an introduction into this particular model, right? So what I've noticed is that is this still viable? Is this model still viable? If anyone knew, the car market completely shifted. It turned upside down to where vehicles are more expensive now. The interest rates have gone up, but there's now equity in these cars. They're actually valuable now, right? So if someone were to hold on to a car or to acquire a car, if someone had it right now, um, I would say that there's still value in the car market. Second, if you've been paying attention to travel, travel has picked back up. Also, business travel has picked back up. And guess what? The rental car agencies could not keep up because they had to, um, they can't acquire new vehicles at the rapid rate that they used to. And also, uh, they had to export some of their vehicles, meaning they had to sell them off. They had to sell off their fleets to uh, break even on uh, the pandemic times. So, <sighs> I get new renters on the Turo platform all the time. Hey, this is my first time. Hey, this is my first time. Hey, this is my first time, so on and so forth. So what that tells me is that it's still new, like Uber was, to where people are going to be, like Airbnb was, people are going to be more familiar with this model and more comfortable with this model. They can choose the vehicle that they want. They can get it dropped off directly to them. They can handle everything before and they don't have to wait in lines. They don't have to deal necessarily with their insurance um, and all the hassle and hustle and bustle of rental car agencies. And you're dealing directly with a person and you're building a relationship, right? So all that being said, do I believe Turo is still valuable or the rental car market or the gig economy for rental cars still valuable? Yes, I do. But I look at it from a business standpoint and I look at it as making sure you're taking the motion out of it and making sure you're making the right moves and making executive decisions from the acquiring of the vehicle to the interest rate, to the term, to understanding the pricing model, to making sure that you're profitable and you're not just holding on to something because it's cool. Um, and then knowing when to sell the vehicle, because if you purchase it at the right price, you can still sell it in this market at a profit or you can break even on it. For some of you, you may not wanna turn it into a business. So what I would say is that it is still a viable market but depending on where you are in the United States, and there are Turo platforms or rental car platforms around the world that if you want to lower your car payment, I could even see that. So if I wasn't doing it as a business, I could see myself renting it out at the price that I would desire, maybe for a weekend or maybe open it up for a couple of days and lower my car payment a couple hundred bucks, right? So these types of things can really help people free up more money, start leveraging the quote unquote liabilities that they think they have and turn it into assets. All right. 
Thank you all so much for listening to this particular episode. Hopefully it gave you just an overview insight. This is what we teach more strategically inside of our mentorship of how to leverage all of your assets that you have available to you, including your knowledge and other physical assets that you may have as well. Peace, love, and blessings to you all. Make sure you like, review, share it out with a friend or family member, and we will see you all in the next episode. Peace.